everybody, and welcome to another Dispatch from Zyja Station. I'm Christine. And I'm Barbie. And this week we're going to be back to our usual episode discussions. We're talking about Nobody's Queen, Episode 3. It originally aired April 10th of 2020 here in the United States. And it's directed by Danishka Esterhazy. And the episode's written by Micah Collins. And, of course, it's based on the comic book by Magdalene Visaggio and Jason Smith. And the basic IMDb synopsis, Alita deals with the life she left behind. Isaac and Amay find themselves in risky territory. Yes. So, as the IMDb synopsis alludes to, we see the team split into two storylines. Alita is dealing with the Loyalists, and Isaac and Amay get some quality time together. And lest we forget, we also truly get to meet the joy that is Winnie B. My favorite robot. Mine ever. too. <laughs> and I watch Star Wars, so there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, so episode three. I really feel like episode three, things uh, start coming together. It's yeah. The, we really start to put the story together, um, and like we mentioned in previous episodes, episode one was a character development, or character introductions, excuse me, character introductions and, like, exposition. Episode two kind of built on that a bit more, and we saw the team working together. And episode three is starting to get us to that main story, um, which is going to be rescuing Alita's mom. I think splitting Alita away from Isaac and Amay, we really see the character traits start to develop a little bit more. Um, and especially we see a bond starting to form between Isaac and Amay. Absolutely. We really get much more of an idea here of everything Alita's been through and how that's made her into who she is now, especially when it comes to her experience with, well, being royalty. And if last episode was building that bond between Alita and Isaac, this is where we start to see the sort of a wonderful friendship between Isaac and Amay. Yeah, um, I, I, re I love their friendship. I'm in love with Same. their friendship. <laughs> um, but let's get a let's get a start with the uh, um, the colors and the visual effects here. Uh, so we are introduced to three all new planets in this episode. We're certainly setting the bar high here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we start off on planet Koala, which uh, it to me just seems to be a gas station and a playground. And if that's the entire planet, I wholeheartedly approve. <laughs> Same. But I love the the casual, like earthy, quote unquote, atmosphere of the of the the fueling station. Um, it's I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's something that we as viewers can definitely relate to um just kind of that gas station in the middle of nowhere kind of yeah. thing um but yeah we we see the the snacks we might not have them that squeak but you know the the general array of uh of, of shelves of snacks and candy and such um but i think a lot of people can relate to getting a slushy or or frogu as it's called in the show yeah, that's definitely something I appreciate about this show. Sure, we have this galaxy that's got all this epic action going on. Yeah, there's all these other things happening, but 
This galaxy in the grand scheme of things, is it really so different than how things are here? There's, there's still something to be said for that sense of normalcy. That for all that we see going on on screen, that there are so many other people in these worlds just going about their lives. There's an element of relatability to it, and we see that a lot as the season goes on. Yeah, and I mean, even going back to episode one, we've got the... Um the the um the station guards or or you know whatever they're playing the poker and just kind of relaxing um as as you do <laughs> true um so next up planet castellan or as we kind of come to know it as where the loyalist base loyalist base camp is and this is where the bulk of the episode takes place and it's an interesting environment, no doubt about that. It's, for the most part, desert-like, I would say. And it's certainly far from a welcoming planet, especially once you get outside the Loyalist camp. Small wonder that Isaac talks about being on an apocalyptic-themed treasure hunt that he and May are going on in this episode. It's the sort of environment that on its own is not terribly notable, but that's hardly a bad thing. On the contrary, it, it, it really forces you to focus more on everything that's happening in this episode, because there is a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. and it, It's interesting because the base camp definitely gives that, uh, that desert feel to it, but then um, when they go, when they kind of go exploring it, it uh, for their treasure hunt, it kind of has a different feel to it, where it's not quite as deserty, but more like zombie apocalypse, <laughs> like you kind of said, the, uh, the apocalyptic themed treasure hunt. Yeah, it's it does have that whole apocalyptic vibe to it in general, and and I think, but well, no, not even I think. May talks in the episode about how this really isn't the first time she's been. In an environment like this. Yeah, uh, you definitely, I think that's the first time that we really see a sad Ame, and it really kind of tugged at my heartstrings. Same. Yeah. I really am curious about what she saw, what she's lived through, she and Chaz, but... Something to think about for season two, perhaps. Definitely season two. Hashtag renew vagrant queen. <laughs> definitely. Um... The last planet that we see, Alita and Hath make a bit of a side venture to planet Rakur, where we meet Clive. I would love to know Clive's backstory. Um, it seems like he and Alita are close, but only close because he owes her a favor. But but all the same, yeah, Clive is a thoroughly enjoyable character, and, and you can tell that even if it is... Purely because of the favor, there's still a bond of sorts between him and Alita. Yeah, you definitely see the bond. So, transitioning from planets to transitions... Uh, <laughs> I know, lame dad joke, for sure. But, um, <laughs> um, but one of my favorite... Uh, one of my favorites from the episode has got to be the... So we've got the flashback of Lazaro when he's storming the castle, saying, No longer will an incompetent child rule. And then it cuts right then to present-day Lazaro, sitting in his chair, just like a bored little kid, 
and I props to the editor, props to the directing. I love it. Great acting by Paul Detroit. I just it made me laugh. It still makes me laugh. I've seen the episode a million times and it makes me laugh. Yeah, I am co-signing on all of this. The acting is phenomenal. The the directing is the is phenomenal. The editing is phenomenal. Just everything about that moment is fantastic. Yeah, it it's a great a great moment, I think. Um and I I I love that they do these little uh these fun transitions. Um but Same. I also definitely adds a bit of character to the show. <laughs> yeah. Um so I know I said that I would mention captions again and I will right now. And it has to do with my favorite one of my favorite scenes of Winnie who boasts um I guess, can robots boast? Well, this one certainly can. She's got the sass for it. I'm going to say that she can. Um, that she is the, the fastest of the SK-28 models and comes in to rescue Isaac and Amay from the rodents. And while she is trundling along, the captions read, Quirky electronic music. So then when a bot stops, the captions read, Ominous chord. And the camera pans down dramatically to reveal a piece of wood laying across the path. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then we see Winnie turn to go all the way around it. And the captions go back to quirky electronic music returns. Yeah, we've been <laughs> doing a lot of kudos these last few minutes here. But kudos to whoever does the closed captioning. If you don't normally watch the show with closed captions, turn them on as you're re-watching and keep track of all the different fun ways the captions describe the music. And it just makes for an even better experience, especially with a show like this. Like, I, I think of another show I'm, I'm a significant fan of in Carmilla, and that's a show where... Oh my gosh, you can't watch Carmilla unless you are watching with captions. It's a totally different show. <laughs> it is, and, and it's a lot, much the same with this show. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. I I love the captions in Carmilla. I they weren't working the first time I watched it for the first ten or so episodes, and so I didn't get the full effect. Although I think the captions get better as the series went on. Oh yes. <laughs> However, <laughs> this isn't a Carmilla podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and leave that to stereotypical. Yeah, we'll we'll shelve that for for us. Um, but we so we we get a lot of flashbacks um, in this episode. Our flashbacks focus on uh, young Elita as the ten-year-old newly queened Elda, Queen Eldaya. Um, and we just really get to see how she was as a kid. And we see her bored as hell on the throne. And I can totally relate to wear, wanting to wear pants and no shoes. Because obviously you can't run in those crazy shoes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have to appreciate young Alita on the whole. Having to go through all of those formalities, I'd find it annoying too. I, you, you just get the sense that, of course, she isn't terribly interested in the role, but she is trying her best here, even if Zevlin keeps shooting her ideas down. Yeah, I, that's an interesting 
it's an interesting dynamic, I guess, with um, with the young queen and then with her her mom and uh, and half, as we see, he's he's not her dad, but he kind of it seems like he kind of takes over that role. Um, but we also in these flashbacks learn about the Steers ad and how Alita's ancestors created peace and ruled over the planets. Um, and then there's the mention, they, they mention the Steersad corrupts whoever uses it. But at the end of the episode, we see Hath and Desai talking about how the Steersad is everything. Why do they want it? Do they know how dangerous it is? I mean, Hath should know because he was, obviously he was so close to Alita as a kid. And I just have to say, you know, I don't know how this Steers Act could possibly be important. I'm sure it'll never pop up again. Won't be remotely important. Oh, yeah. Probably just an episode thing. Just something to something to talk about. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just a little bit of flavor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, again, like, how did, how did Zeveling let it get so bad? Because it seems like... Alita, as even as a, a young ten-year-old, would was making pretty uh, logical uh, choices or you know viewpoints. She didn't really make a choice because they didn't really let her. Um, but she at least wanted to listen to the people, and um, she gets the lesson that what's easy is not always what's right. And you get the impression here that Zeppelin is overruling Alita in the interest of doing what she thinks is best. That Alita isn't really qualified to be making the actual decisions here, but meanwhile, things are still falling apart. The Queen's blessings are nice, sure, but the people can't exactly dine on blessing bucks. Yeah, pretty, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Alita, we'll just kind of go into uh, a little bit of, of her character arc in this episode. Um, so she doesn't have, she doesn't self-reference a one-liner this time. The last two episodes she did. Um, but I would argue that the, the one-liner for this episode is kind of the beginning in the middle of the gunfight, um, where she, you know, well, I'll just play the audio for you. Here you go. Why, why? These are just stun guns. No one needs to get hurt. These are kill guns. So leave. We're getting shot at by a regular occurrence with you two. I mean, that opening is just so much fun. A gunfight in the middle of a convenience store, plus the nonchalantly going and getting some food after the fight's over. Really, what's not to like here? Okay, I have two things to say about that. One, that convenience store clerk was real fast on that shield. (laughs) Um, And two... I hope they're getting paid well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's just the gas station on the planet, he's got to know. (laughs) He's got to know what to do. Um, So there's, there's the guy that he puts the shield up. He's hiding. That's it. Um, And then two, Irid, when she offers to buy the snacks, she kind of like pats her body like do you have the money here, Ed, or are you, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, you gotta wonder. Yeah, and, well, and then she, it's funny because she picks up those squeaking snacks that, that uh, Isaac put back on the shelf because he was so disturbed by them. I, I mean, you, you, you got a human who's still adapting to all this even a few years on, and then and, and, and then you've got Ered who 
has been in this galaxy all her life. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's so yeah, different standards, I suppose you could say. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. We all like we all have different likes and dislikes. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So I know we already know that Alita is a badass, but I she's got such a slick move when she takes out the loyalist with the gun after she wakes up from from the uh, not the coma but being knocked out, and I can't help but be impressed. And I have to give Adrian major props for pulling off that move to look that smooth. So. That's it. It's impeccable. I love it. Oh, it absolutely is. And after years of being on the run and scabbing, just thinking from the character perspective here, you have to have some ways of getting out of a sticky situation. And Alita really did make it out of this so smoothly. Serious props, Adrian. Yes, definitely. So we learned about her past. The loyalists are, are really putting pressure on her to be the queen that she's supposed to be in in the present. But, you know, you've got at least Desai makes that comment that they don't really blame her since she was a child. But at the same time, she's pressuring her to be this queen that she has no idea, you know, that Alita has no idea how to do or honestly has no desire to do. Right. And to go through all of this in your childhood years... That can have a massive effect on somebody's life, and, and given the all the years that that Alita and her mother had to spend on the run, can we really blame her for not wanting to go back and become ruler and just become a sitting target? Yeah, um, I mean, and it's way more fun to go and and shoot them up through the galaxy anyway. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, why, 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 why not just try and live your life? Yeah, and speaking of shoot 'em up reckless behavior, um, I thought that Alita was almost over. She was. She was overconfident when they were on Rakur, and it really it made me on edge because I was like, okay, she's this confident. They're they're showing that she's this confident. Something bad is gonna happen. <laughs> Like, maybe she and Clive weren't as good of friends as she thought. Um, and, I mean, obviously, like I said earlier, I'd love to know what happened between the two of them. And, of course, it doesn't necessarily go off with without a hitch. You you have the one security guard who we see again later in the episode. But, for, for the most part, between Alita and Clive, it goes pretty smoothly. Yeah, and I mean, Clive even kind of makes that remark, like, oh, you you know, good help's hard to find, essentially. I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, it sounded like he had just gotten some new some new guards, and he was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving from our, our main character to the, the other two, Isaac and Amay, um, they are together most of the episodes, so we'll discuss their character. It's kind of parallel as it applies. Um, but starting with Isaac, we can see after the last episode, the bond between him and Alita has improved a lot. We mm -hmm. see him, we see him defend Alita when she's out of commission from the stun guns, and 
kind of had this the funny scene where he made Dengar and Ered flinch after they after they played their part in kidnapping them. You know, just kind of. <laughs> yeah, you 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 can see here that the relationship between Isaac and and May is on much better terms than it was. But really, for the team as a whole, the the relationships are on much better terms than they were for. A lot of last episode, and you you can tell that the team is getting on more than it's ever been. You really see the dynamics coming together. Yeah, you see the friendships building. Obviously, I mean, especially with Isaac and Amay this episode. Um, but yeah, it's it's we're all coming together. We're we're jiving. We're starting to jive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And we get another glimpse of Amay and see that she is a bit of a player and has caught the eye of one of the ladies in the camp. Not the last time that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she later tells Isaac that she's not the long-term type because she just loves people, um, which I think is adorable, uh, honestly. And it's a great way to, to kind of have that, that viewpoint. But, uh, of course, right after that, she has Alita's back um, in response to Isaac's comment that, well, Alita hates all people. And she says, but she chose us. And I think that's a really sweet moment. It really is. Even as brief as her stay on the ship has been so far, you you can tell that a May gets Alita in that there may be something more here. Cough, cough. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, but we also get it, getting off of the romantic uh, uh, vein. We also get more of a sense of what a huge nerd Amay is for technology of all kinds. Um, she, I mean, we at the beginning of the episode, she has a name and a nickname for the robot. So we've got Winniebot, but she already is calling her Winniebee. <laughs> Um, and then, and then, you know, following that, she just practically berates herself in front of the guy fueling the ship about not taking care of the ship. And, and he couldn't care less. I mean, he's looking at her like, I just stopped talking. I don't even know. (laughs) And and let me just put on the record right here. It's okay. I judge me is probably the biggest mood of the season so far. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we, I mean, we all judge ourselves. It's it's a uh, it's it's a trait, you know. It is. It's in our nature. But yeah, it's we all we all judge ourselves. We all have to be easier on ourselves. I think as a whole, especially in times like these. Oh yes. Uh, of course, the her big story. The episode is is finding the spare parts in an old junkyard, and that's. I mean, obviously, she and Isaac team up. But we we see so many moments where we can just see her delight to the point where it gets dangerous with the rodents trying to get in and Isaac calling her over a couple times like, oh, May. It just gets to the point where we desperately hope nothing bad happens to her because May is a gem and she deserves nothing but the best. I, I certainly wish I was excited is excited about some of the things in my life as she gets about technology because it's just so wonderful. 
I know it was so open and so honest. Um, and and yeah, you're you're right. We we don't want anything bad to happen to her. And it reminds me, you know, it reminds me of of Waverly and Winona Earp and Willow in Buffy. And you know, you just you get these characters where this you latch on and you're like, this person is precious, and we can't we can't let anything happen to them. And Amay is that person. Yeah. Oh wow, we're, we're we're just going on about all these other shows today, aren't we? <laughs> all, all the fandoms. Let's bring them all we, we, together. We, we are a fandom inclusive podcast. <laughs> yep, definitely. We we love TV. We love our shows. <laughs> so anyway, so you you've got this character that you know you don't want anything to hurt, you don't want anybody to anything to happen. I should say, um, but. Isaac and Amay are, they're just such a bro TP, you know, like you've, you've got um, Amay who is picking up on Isaac's earth mannerisms, um, you know, from the, from the classic bingo to asking about movie references and telling him he's a regular McGay bar and, you know, <laughs> which is, oh. that's awesome. Um, and I, I do believe some one has made a t-shirt um and i apologize i can't think of who you are off the top of my head but there is a t-shirt that says mckay bar if you if you give me a second i can find the person and we can edit in so it's atomic octopus jordan yeah it's jordan jordan who has designed many t-shirts uh is the one that that made the mckay bar shirt um, so we'll link to the shirt in our show notes for sure. But yeah, so, so, you know, she's got the, the McGay bar, she's got the bingo, and then she picks up on the high five, which Isaac said, oh yeah, it'll, it took Alita a while, uh, before she warmed up to it. And then Amay again, has that sort of open heart and, and receptive attitude and just gets so excited about the high fives that she's just going at, it. I mean, she's doing the double high five. She's got it all. Right. I I just love seeing May learn more about Earth culture in this episode. And, and you, sure, you can tell she isn't quite getting these things down right away, but it's still just delightful to see her trying her best and that you can really see that friendship building up between them. They really open up this episode. Yeah. Like I said, bro TP. <laughs> yep. Um, and if people are unfamiliar with that term, um, OTP is usually what the term is, which means one true pairing or only true pairing, however you want to take it. So usually it's made for um, like uh, uh, the the ship. So, you know, your OTP is your favorite ship, your favorite two people together. Um, but yeah, the, the bro TP. So the, the, the brother, you know, the brotherhood kind of aspect of it. Right. The, fr- the best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, that was a sidetrack. Hmm. We will go. So let's talk about the mannequin challenge for the episode. Yeah, we kind of have to. Yeah. So it centers on Isaac, um, which makes sense because as we said, this is the Isaac and a May episode. Um, so they need a distraction to get Winniebot, um, trained to be a pilot. <laughs> uh, and so Isaac says, diversion is my middle name. And then there's this pause and he pops his head back in and Amay, you can see she's just super confused and he's like, it's not. (laughs) 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 Just the acting. 
A plus. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so he gets to whip shitties or um. I don't. I don't know what you call it, like donuts or or whatever. Uh. And and shoot at the rodents, and we get that cool stop action comic book style shot, which. You know, we've come to kind of expect now. This is episode three. We've had two two others of these, uh, of these shots. So, right. There's just really so many fun moments to pick out between these these two in this episode, and it's really only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So now that we've talked about the bro TP, let's get into the OTP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got some really great Alita and Amay scenes, the Amita scenes, um, this episode, from sharing a Frogu, or attempting to anyway, before <laughs> it gets shot Rest out Rest in of... peace, Frogu. <laughs> I know, right? Um, to the tender campfire moments. And, I mean, there's there's also a few smaller moments that, that happen um, kind of separately, uh, independently to the characters, uh, but we we as viewers get the privilege to see this kind of budding relationship. Um, so it's the you know that omnipresent, um, whatever uh, third third person viewing. Um, mm-hmm. We see this budding relationship. We like an example is Amei correcting half on Alita's name when he says Aldaya, and of course when Alita is awkwardly asking half if she offended Amei twice then changes the subject quickly twice hmm. <laughs> um yeah i'm not so sure half believed her when she uh referred to ame as she's our mechanic he gave her a look <laughs> yeah there's definitely no romantic feelings here uh, yeah Joking aside, we do love a good slow burn, and you can tell that there is absolutely something more here. Yeah, I mean, slow burn aside, we we love it, but um, I know as uh, as a lesbian myself, you you know if you if you aren't familiar with the term queer bait, you should look into it. But you know, we get these these uh, shows that you know they kind of play up this quote-unquote romance but never follow through which is the essential you know that's the kind of the definition and there's a difference between queer bait and slow burn and this is definitely slow burn yeah because <laughs> i mean we know that i mean we don't know it's gonna happen but there have been many many cues that it will happen Mm-hmm. so i mean that's 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 that. Anyway, so moving on from that, um, it's not exactly a, a romantic moment, but I want to take a second and mention that when Amay and Isaac were about to set off um, on their adventure, and Elita kind of goes to follow, and she makes a remark along the lines of uh, that she needs to protect Amay. And Amay kind of is having none of that. She kind of snaps. Um, she doesn't snap. I shouldn't say that. But... Um, she responds that she can look after herself and it really put Alita in her place. And we see that as soft as a may is, she is definitely not weak. And I mean, none of this is terribly surprising. Speaking, speaking from experience, this is the sort of thing you see when people are getting to know one another. 
You you see those boundaries being tested, things falling into place, and you you can tell that this is still very much early goings for them. That said, if trying to protect a maid doesn't go to show, that Alita certainly fe- clearly feels a certain way about a maid. I don't mm-hmm. know what does. <laughs> Yeah, well, and speaking of uh, feeling that certain way, going from not so romantic to romantic, the campfire scene. Um, What can we say? I am just going to go ahead and play it for you while we collect our thoughts. Hey, you uh, found the pot all right? Hey, you're back. (laughs) Yeah, we did. A minor rodent issue, but we need to help us out. Sounds like you had quite the adventurous day yourself. Uh, not the most fun I've ever had, but we have a way into Republic space. Great. Just hooked up a Thunderstrike Z500 regulator. She'll get to Wix just fine. She's a great ship. You're a great pilot. Must be strange being here. Surrounded by so much of your past, but in a totally unfamiliar place. Yeah. This queen they all see feels like someone else. And that kid, I don't know, it's just, there's so many things I wish I could go back and tell her, you know? I used to obsess about that. What I could change if I had another chance. Took me a while to accept that I couldn't change the past. Only what was right in front of me. Here and now. Well, I think I'm off to bed then. Have a good one. Okay, so now you've listened to it. Obviously, this is a podcast, so we can't see what happens in the scene. But that's what uh, we as hosts are for, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's definitely a lot of hard eyes. Um, Elita is, it, it seems like she's just waiting to compliment a mate. She's looking for an opening. And she, you know, she finds it in the, you're a great pilot line. Um, and then towards the end, we get um, we get a mate. She kind of seems to linger a little bit, like she's um, like she's waiting for a reason to stay. And that moment passes, and she heads to that that same woman that we that we saw at the beginning of the episode. And it's clear that they are about to spend their night together. And Elita looks downright jealous. Um, and then again with the captions, you see, you know, the um, when the, um, the when the Amita theme starts playing, the captions say "delicate electronic music," so cute. Yeah, there there is just so much to unpack in just these few minutes alone, and you you can tell they're just having such a moment here. Alina and Emma really open up a lot to each other about their past, how their experiences have informed who they are now. And I think 
that's a massive part of a relationship is being willing to open up and be vulnerable with one another. And I think this scene is a huge stepping stone in their relationship because of that. And if the Amita ship hadn't already set sail before this episode, at this point that ship is full speed ahead, friends. Oh, yeah. We, we're we in it now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you said uh, it it's being willing to open up and be vulnerable. And I think that is a huge thing with Elita. And I mean, we, we saw that. We have seen a little bit of that and we will see more. Um, but it's hard for her to, to open up. Um, and I think that's going to kind of be the the story you know like how, right. what, at what point does you know at what point is she willing to look inside herself and and be real with herself and be open to a may right especially is, when when her childhood had been her 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 mother had been telling her in her childhood that yeah you can't afford to make friends or have any sort of real connections like that and so here we are at a point where she's doing her best to grapple with that yeah and i mean i know we we kind of touched on it last episode but um you know this could be something that she has had to deal with before where she doesn't want to get involved and she just kind of pushes people away right but we see clearly from those campfire moments that she doesn't want to push a May away. And, you know, I, I think that says something. It really does. All right. So we are getting to a close to our episode uh, discussion. What, uh, what do you have to say? I mean, this is just a phenomenal episode. There, there's so many wonderful lines I'm always going to remember. You got it, McGaybar. <laughs> classic, classic. And, and of course, nobody can possibly forget that Amita scene toward the end, nor, nor can we forget that delightful introduction of Winnie B. Yeah, I I love all the Winnie B scenes. I mean, when she is telling, you know, when Ame says, are you there? And it's like, well, it depends on what you mean. By there. <laughs> like, in a metaphysical, metaphysical sense. sense. <laughs> I'm everywhere. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's, that's, I guess that's my episode highlight is any scene with Winnie B. <laughs> yeah, the win, the, if the Amita scene is first place for me, any well, I mean, scene that's with, and, well, yeah, but <laughs> any scene with Winnie B is a close second. Yeah, I I love her. <laughs> and for that reason, I'd have to give this episode nine and a half Winnie bots. All right. Well, I see your nine and a half Winnie bots, and I will raise you to ten Winnie bots. <laughs> Setting the stakes high here now. Oh, definitely. So, uh, Christine, you want to take us into some fandom news? Yes, I, I will. And we'll start out like we always do with how this did in the ratings. Yeah, this particular episode got 208,000 viewers. And it that dropped down a fair bit. 102,000 down from episode two. Though it was still 112th among new cable broadcasts that night, it was... 
fairly stable as far as the rankings go, but this the show also dropped in the demographic to 0.04 among viewers, 18 to 49 ratings-wise. This was when the ratings really started to look concerning, and lo and behold, let, let it be said for those of you listening to this after the fact that that the two weeks after this episode aired were among the most agonizing of the season because right around the time the ratings came out, Sci-Fi took the show off the air for a week and then moved it to a Thursday night post-primetime slot. Yeah, uh, that that kind of was a, a, sick, a red flag for me. And it really, like, I... That was kind of the, the turning point um, because I love the show so much and when Sci-Fi moved it, I was I wanted to talk about it. So that's when I mean we kind of got together and said, "Hey, let's let's start this podcast on a whim." <laughs> yeah, that that moment was really a catalyst for a lot of things, whether it was this podcast or really just the entire hashtag Renew Vagrant Queen movement. Mhm. Mhm. Um so back in the here and now, we um as we're recording this on June 14th, there's still no word on season two renewal at this point. Keep fighting. Keep telling people about it. I know I tell anybody that will stand still for two minutes about this show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, certainly you, you can tell people about the show. You, you can get the word out about it online. You can sign the petition that we've got running. We talk about all of this in the in the most recent mini-sode we came out with, so it's only a few minutes of your time, and it really gives you a chance to understand how we can help this show survive. So I highly encourage all of you, if you haven't already, to give it a listen and figure out how we can take action. Yeah, this is um, this is going to be up to us, and as sci-fi is, you know, one of their mottos is, it's a fan thing. We have to show up as fans to get them to, you know, to hear us and to know that this is something that we want. This is something that's important um, because you know there's so much representation and it's so important. And I will I will say it so many times, but representation matters. Yes, it does. When you see yourself in media it makes a difference. Um, I mean, I have two young kids and we are a two mom family and they don't get to see that ever. And it, I mean, it's, it's hard that, you know, they, when they play pretend and they're, you know, saying this is mom and dad. And it's like, well, what about two moms? You know? And it, anyway, representation matters we need to see ourselves portrayed because it's important yes shows like vagrant queen need not only to survive but to thrive yes so going into uh representation let's represent our viewers or our listeners i should say (laughs) oh see i'm trying to get better on these transitions i'm working on them (laughs) um (laughs) so we've got some listener comments and questions um Eden Erper says that she loved to s- getting to see Isaac and Amay getting closer and seeing their relationship develop. And also Winnie B to the rescue. We do love Winnie B here. If it wasn't already obvious, let it be said. <laughs> let it be known. 
Um, so we've got Rachie D says, one of the things that she loves is how we get a bigger glimpse into how much Alita really likes Amay. How she worries about Amay going off on her own. How And then if she offended her. And uh, she also says, Hath hadn't seen Alita in years and picks up instantly how much Amay means to Alita. And I have to just kind of interject. It really reminded me speaking of talking about fandoms, it really reminded me of Winona Earp when dolls could see uh, the the way hot before it was way hot. Yeah, the, you, it becomes really crystal clear in this episode that there's something more here in it. And it's especially obvious when it gets to the point where even the other characters realize what's going on. <laughs> yeah, you always know that something something's up when other characters in the show see it. Um and then we also got uh, feedback from Lesfire16, um, and she says she loves the end when Alita had to fix herself before walking over to the fire pit to sit next to Amei. Um, Alita felt like she offended her earlier and got jealous when she saw her walking into the other girl for the night, but Winnie B with the line out of all the others, I am the fastest one, but she was just so slow. <laughs> Yeah, th this is just such a great episode. You get really the whole range of emotions here, and you have lots of wonderful moments ranging from the from the delightful to the heartfelt. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a lot in this episode, and I I think that it really. I mean, we're coming together. Um, episode one and two were great, but I think we're really starting to um, kind of hit. Hit a, hit a stride in in the show. Exactly how I would have put it. So so that's our listener feedback for this week. Of course, our listener mailbox is always open. More on how you can get a hold of us at the end of this episode, which will be not too far off at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening to our discussion. Um, Christine, where can we find you on social media? I am at Retro Time Lady on on Twitter and Instagram for whatever the, the latter is worth. I am also Retro Time Lady on Tumblr, and you can find me at Only One Leia on Twitter and Instagram. And I know we kind of we've talked about this between the two of us, but neither of us have are good with Instagram. I think I have four posts that i've made <laughs> yes i i've i've made a whopping one post on there Ooh. so so y'all can follow me on instagram if you like i'm just telling you not to expect too much same same um but yeah that so that'll wrap things up for this episode um next week we will be talking episode four of the first season we are looking forward to it I especially have a few things that I'm looking forward to talking about. Mm-hmm. Same. And we hope that you will join us next week. Keep listening now to hear about all the different ways you can support our dispatches. For now, though, until the next dispatch from Zyja Station, this has been a podcast from another galaxy. Not, Not yours. yours. We 
are a fan-driven podcast, which means you help us do what we do, so we appreciate any way you can show your support for our work. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. that's X-I-J-A-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H-P-O-D. There you can find current news about Vagrant Queen, our podcast, and many other things happening in the fandom. You can also support us on a long-term or short-term basis through Patreon. Your subscription there helps us cover expenses for the podcast, whether it's hosting costs or giveaways or anything else that makes us the best fan space it can be. To find us on Patreon and to get more information, just go to patreon.com and search Zyja, X-I-J-A. And of course, as a fan podcast, we want to hear from you, the fans. Our email is vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. You can send us a text or voice recording, whether it's about what's happening on the episode, your thoughts on the show as a whole, or what we're doing here on the podcast. This is an inclusive space, so send us your comments or feedback and make yourself heard. Finally, Podbean hosts new episodes of our podcasts. That's where you can go to find the latest episodes of our programs and keep up to date on what's happening in our galaxy. We also have transcripts available if you need them. That's at zygestation.podbean.com. Till next time, Zygestation, over and out.